episode. I think I get the uh, right to call you some names. Did you enjoy my Doc Emmerich um, notes? I think they're quite nice. Little expose, yeah. Doc Emmerich highlights, I thought they were nice. I woke up to the news of that, and I was really upset. I know, I was really sad. It's okay, we'll get into who I want to replace him. Is it me? I'm kidding. No. (laughs) I think Joe Buck and Pierre Maguire would make an absolutely dynamic duo. Joe Buck? Yeah, let's just have him. Has he ever done hockey? I don't know. He does baseball and football. I say screw it. We'll buy him from Fox and bring him over. Sure. They have Eddie. They had Eddie Olchek do um, the horse races before. So I mean, their their guys are versatile. You know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who's going to replace him. And Eddie Olchek was a, back. a literal literal hockey player without broadcast training, but whatever. Um, let's Mike get this Melbourne. going. Okay, let's get the party started. Three? No, definitely not Mike Milbury. <laughs> That's really funny, though. Okay, three, two, one. Welcome to the unit report. I am Lucas with my subordinate, Troy Kopech. We're here on a beautiful Monday evening. We're, we've done most of the hockey news already. Last episode, it was fully hockey. This episode, we got some news to talk about in the hockey world, but we're also going to get into the AL, ALCS, NLCS, which completed uh the al you know the nlcs completed last night baseball we have a world series matchup we got some football news some other things um in nascar i'm just going to get that out of the way right now they are still making left turns that's yes they have announced next year they just tweeted left turns i know it was huge huge news that they were going to consider yeah we're still going to continue to make left turns um yeah yeah, ESPN just announced it right now, so it's pretty interesting. Uh, I was really surprised when I heard the news, but you know what? Um, now that we got that out of the way, we can get into the real news. NHL, let's get going. Uh, the biggest name to fall, I think, in the free agency since the last episode was Joe Thornton, who, after all those years in San Jose, after being traded there from Boston from a young age, he leaves San Jose and signs with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And in his press conference says – He's doing it because he wants to go out a champion. He wants to win the Stanley Cup because he has that's he's probably the best player active who hasn't won a Stanley Cup. And he signed with them for a minimum seven hundred thousand dollars. And he's leaving San San Jose, going to Toronto. He's gonna have a much uh like smaller role there, but he's gonna have a shot to win the Stanley Cup. What were your what was your reaction, Troy, whenever you saw Thornton was going to the Leafs? Um, I don't know. I was kind of surprised. It's just, it's definitely going to be weird seeing him in a different jersey, but, um, yeah, he's not young, so he needs to, I guess, go with the team that he believes is going to win a cup. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's really pretty much the same thing as, like, the, um, uh, Hendrick, uh, Lundquist thing, where it's, like, he's obviously not winning one, in New York, so might as well go to some team that has a decent chance. It's definitely going to be weird to see, but it is what it is. You'd rather see him win yeah, or that, have that opportunity. Yeah, wouldn't that be an interesting uh, Eastern Conference final if it was uh, Toronto and Washington, two guys that are dying for to get their chance at the Cup and probably the last year for both of them, and they're both like fighting each other for the chance to to play for it one last time. And uh, as he signed with the Leafs this past week, he's been playing over in Switzerland for HC De- 
I think it's Davos or Davos. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it, but he's in, uh, he's in Switzerland and that's, that's the European team that actually holds his rights. And he's done, he's played there whenever there've been lockouts or whatever, and he's playing there for free. If that doesn't tell you this guy's commitment to the game of hockey, that he flew to Switzerland in a pandemic to play hockey for free. I mean, the, the Maple Leafs are getting an absolute stud with this guy. This guy is committed to the game. I think it's awesome. And before he made the decision to sign with Toronto, he actually talked it over with former 49ers quarterback Joe Montana, who had a similar situation where he was with the 49ers for all those years, won all those Super Bowls. And then he decided to leave, though, at the end of his year. I mean, at the end of his uh, like time in San Fran, he decided to go to Kansas City. I think he was actually traded there, but he kind of forced his way out. Um, Obviously, the difference there is Montana had been able to win before and wasn't chasing a ring. He was just chasing the opportunity to be a, you know, be a, pro- a prominent player still. But Thornton, he's on this, uh, cu- he's on the cup uh, chase. You know, he really wants to just get that ring and call it a day. But that was interesting that uh, he talked to a fellow Bay Area guy who is a fellow Joe. Yeah, fellow Joe, fellow Bay Bay Area athlete who wanted to leave the Bay Area. So. But a guy who's returning to the Bay Area is Patrick Marlowe, who got all of, what, 10, 15 games with the Pittsburgh Penguins, if that. And, and he signed for also league minimum, just like Thornton did. But he's back in San Jose. Pretty interesting. I think I read he's like 15 or 20. No, no, I think it's a little more. I think he's like 40 games played away from the all-time record, which is held by Gordie Howe right now. So if they have a full season or anything more than like 50, 60 games and he plays all the games and doesn't get uh, injured. He's going to break the record, which is an astounding record. It's, I think it's like 1800 games or something crazy like that. So this guy's longevity is insane. Is it just most games played in general? In the in, in NHL history. Yeah. Okay. He's second. I was going right to say, doesn't. Yeah, okay. Cause I was going to say who, who has the longest consecutive because I know Phil Kessel was going for the Iron Man streak of the, he was up there in games. Like it's like seasons into it. Oh yeah, I have to look. Um, consecutive. I know one of the guys that was in the running for that was Andrew Cogliano, but he was suspended a few years ago. He had like a 700 game streak. But let me check consecutive games here. I got to pull it up. Um, it was Doug Jarvis. Oh, he he currently holds it. He played 964. Keith Yandel. Keith, Keith Yandel's top active, yeah. And right behind him is Patrick Marlowe. And then right behind him is Phil. Phil Kessel, yeah. So that's inter- That's pretty interesting. Jeez, wow. And um, then, yeah, behind him is Cogliano. Bo Meester's there, but Bo Meester's going to retire. So, but very interesting stuff. Um, so, yeah, well, I think I'm rooting. I don't know about you, but I'm rooting for Marlowe to uh, beat that record. How, do you think he's going to do it? Beat the record. Um, he might not consecutive the uh, all all time games. No, I know the all time games. I don't know. I think it kind of depends. I the NHL hasn't said much about the upcoming season. So you said it's what forty games. I it's. I don't know. The I want to say it's number. forty. I want to say it's forty five. I'm looking right now. I should have prepared that, but I um, forgot. Um, I don't know. It's. Where is it at? Oh, yeah, here it is. Uh, Marlowe is at 
he is 44. 44 games would tie him. 45 would pass Gordy Hell. 45 would pass it. Um, I don't know because I don't know. Does that include playoffs, though? No. Nah, that doesn't matter. No, um, it's not. Huh. I guess it just depends on what the NHL season is because I would imagine they're going to do, since we're starting in, what, January, do like a maybe a 50-60 game season mm-hmm. at best. So it'll be close. It'll be really close. And he's not the kind of guy that gets injured a lot. Like you, like you saw on the uh, consecutive games thing, he's up there and he's an older guy. So he doesn't play a very uh, like injury prone type of game. He doesn't like throw himself into bad situations. So I don't think that's going to be the problem. I think the problem is going to be just if there's enough games to be played, but it seemed a lot of people on Twitter were talking as if that he signed this contract with the intention of breaking the record because San Jose probably isn't going to be a very good team next year. And may, there might be a chance where he gets traded to a contender again because he, he's him like Thornton. Ha, they haven't won cups yet. So he could be uh, wanting to do a cup chase again afterwards. I think there's no like illusion that San Jose is going to be good this year. You know? Yeah, I don't see it. That's why I made my um, comment about there's his playoffs included because yeah, mm-hmm. unless he moves, then it doesn't really matter. But I don't know. We'll see. Moving on off of that, um, Brandon Gallagher. Uh, there was reports early in the week that him and the Habs had some rift between the contract situation, and it seemed as if Gallagher, after his contract is up this coming season, was going to explore free agency. And there was pretty intense uh, allegations that saying that like that there's a strong like difference between the two parties in negotiations. And then none other than a day later does he sign a $6.5 million uh, contract per over for, uh, for six years with the Habs. So no one really knows what happened and why it seemed like it was such a polar flip here. But what do you think of the contract? Do you think that's a good deal for Montreal? Um, yeah, I guess. Aren't they the same? Yeah, I think they're the same team that just that has a – their cap thing is weird because they're dishing out quite a few. I don't remember if it was this year or the, over the past couple of years. They have a few pretty good contracts, so they have to be pushing it with the cap space. But, um, yeah, he's a good player, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of weird to see that a guy that was, um, I don't want to say threatening to explore free, uh, free agency to sign like that long-term deal, but they obviously – told him something that he wanted to hear or vice versa. So, um, yeah, looks like he'll be with the Habs for six more years at least. Yeah, and he's a great player. He uh, He's kind of the heart and soul of that team, in my opinion. He's like a small, feisty guy who gets in the corners and just he plays with his heart on his sleeve. And I think that he's a great guy to have. If uh, he would have hit free agency, I think he would have made more money than he's getting. I think he definitely could have got more than 6.5. And there would have been a flock of teams trying to get him because he plays a style of play that is not very common among the, like around the league. So really, I think it's a great deal for Montreal. I think it's a great deal for Gallagher. He's finally going to get paid. And speaking of guys who got paid by a Canadian team, uh, Evgeny Dadnoff, a former KHL star and then was with the Florida Panthers over the past few years, he signed a three-year deal with Ottawa 
this past week with uh, $5 million per year. Uh, kind of a strange deal because Ottawa isn't really in the market to get veteran guys or at least veteran forwards, in my opinion. And they went out and signed him. I, my thinking is, is that the market kind of dried up on forwards because you saw the kind of deal that Taylor Hall got and the fact that Matt, uh, Matt Hoffman still was unsigned. So there's, this was probably the best deal Dadunov could have gotten, and he jumped on it. What do you think about Ottawa uh, jumping on Dadunov for $5 million a year? Um, I'm just looking. Speaking, didn't, they, didn't Ottawa also sign a goalie to like a three-year deal or something? Matt Murray? No, they signed. He was a four-year deal, though. Um, no, um, Joey Duckward signs a three-year deal. Yeah, he's a younger guy. I'm looking at it right here. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if he's. No, actually I was just thinking because because we brought up no because I was looking at it and I was just thinking of um yeah like senator signings um I don't know the senators are in kind of that weird position because this guy is thirty-one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I guess a three-year deal is not bad, but they're just kind of in that – they're kind of at, like, an awkward, like, transition phase right now. So, I guess we'll see what happens. Because he's going to be, I guess, not old, but, like, older. But whenever – if um everything Ottawa is doing is going to end up paying off at the end of the day. So, I guess whenever they're actually a contender, we'll – I'd imagine is probably what two or three years down the line anyway. So I guess see what happens, but yeah, I don't know. Ottawa just has a lot of stuff. It seems like they're figuring out at the moment. It's a really interesting deal on, on his behalf because it took him a while to finally get into the NHL. He was drafted a while back by uh, the Panthers. Like I think it was like 2008, maybe 2009, somewhere around there. 2007. Sorry. And he was on and off with the organization. He was up for a few games back in uh, 09, 10, 11. And then he ran over to Russia and played in the KHL for them. I mean, for uh, it was SKA St. Petersburg, the most popular team in the KHL. And then finally, in 2017, they were able to convince him to come back over. And since he's come over, he's had at least 25 goals in each of, the season, in each of his uh, NHL seasons. So he's like a he's a good goal scorer and it's just interesting that he wasn't able to get anything different or maybe a better offer from a better team because it seems like when like you said when this deal's up he's going to be older and i mean i don't think he's probably not going to want to stay there forever i mean maybe he maybe whenever they're getting better he'll be 34 35 still have a few years left but I, it's an, i don't know it's just a weird deal the second i saw it signed i figured that he could have gone somewhere else but then you look at Taylor Hall, who had to settle for Buffalo. So maybe this is just like the kind of deals that are being offered and there's not much options for these guys. Yeah, I don't really know. Ottawa have just, as they shown in the past couple off seasons, that um, they're just trying to get their stuff put back together. So this might be part of the whole plan or this just might have been a, um, I guess, like a, kind of like a side deal where they saw the opportunity and took it. And they have a ton of cap space and he's, he's already their highest paid forward and he's only making 5 million a year. So I don't think not it's terrible at all. It's not much risk for them at all. So 
I mean, I he's he's also he has a hell of a shot. So it's going to be nice to have someone there that can actually score goals because the past few years that's been a problem for them. Speaking of people who have a hard time scoring goals. Speaking of problems. Speaking of issues, the Pittsburgh Penguins signed defenseman Cody Cece to one year, I think it was 1.1 or 1.2 million, something like that. Uh, I should have written that down, but I didn't. And um, as it's so eloquently put in our document, Jack Johnson Jr. with a better contract, which is true, which is how I've described it to people not familiar with the situation. I put on my Instagram story, I think whenever I first saw it happen, uh, you've got to be fucking kidding me because you've got to be fucking kidding me. They get rid of Jack Johnson. All signs are pointing upward. It seems like everything's going so smoothly. And then GMJR with the, with a fucking bazooka on his shoulder, just destroys a family show, destroys penguins nation with Cody Cece. Cody Cece is a bad defenseman, but my rationale, and I'm going to let you talk about it here in a second, but my rationale is if they don't play him every day, if he's not a top six defender, and if he's a guy that comes in, plays 20, 30 games when there's injury, I'm okay with it. But if he is an everyday full season and playoffs defenseman, I'm going to shoot myself. Troy, what is your thinking? Oh, I had the Jack Johnson Jr. I, I stuck that in our um, notes. I mean, that's essentially what this is, is it's basically the contract that Jack Johnson sort of should have been given. The only good, the only pro He was here given it a, by New York. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, by the wrong team. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, Jack Johnson's making $5 million a year for, oh, oh man. Um, I don't know. I don't really – I'm really confused because it's just like the Penguins were on the upward trend of like we're getting rid of bad contracts and, you know, letting guys go that weren't really going to work out. And now now we're just I – don't, I don't know. Now we're doing this crap again. And it's only for one year, so it's whatever. But uh, I don't know. I, I still think the defense is screwed. I really do. I don't – I mean, you only have two lines effectively. Yeah. Because then – yeah, I mean, it all – yeah, you really only do have two lines here because the last um, pairing you're going to have everyone fighting for because you have a bunch of guys in the same bet. Uh-huh. No, yeah, I got you. I was uh, talking to a friend of the show, Ethan, about this, and uh, he's a big-time Leafs fan. And so he saw a lot of Cody Cece last year, and he sent a lot of laughing emojis and said, good luck with Cody Cece. <laughs> and I tried rationalizing it to him. I was like, look, we just got rid of Jack Johnson. So honestly, anything seems like an upgrade right now. And he was like, no, not, Incorrect. not Cody Cece. But if you look at his advanced numbers, they are slightly better than Jack Johnson. So there's a little promise there. But my thing is, is it's just unnecessary. This deal was not needed. We did not need to make this deal. It sucks because he's not a replacement-level defender, the same as how Jack Johnson wasn't a, def- a, a, a replacement-level defender. And you know Mike Sullivan. You know he has terrible tendencies. You know he's going to play him 
every freaking day and he's going to be playing him like top pairing minutes. Like this is so predictable. We've seen the story before. Yeah. I don't know. This is kind of one of those things where, yeah, this, that, I don't know. I always feel bad for him. Cause it's like you, you have, you do have a top two lines, but after that, it's really just more of a free for all, I guess. So I, I, I mean, they're going to have to play minutes. They're going to have to do something. You I mean, you can't have a tang out there playing half the game still. Well, I think the top five defensemen on the team are pretty solidified. Latang, Marino, Dumoulin, Pedersen, Matheson. I know Matheson has his ups and downs. We don't really know a lot about him yet. But with the way he's getting paid, he's going to be in the top five. So that last spot is going to be between CeCe, Ricola, and Ruedel. Ruedel, yeah. The latter of the two, both Ricola and Ruedel, I don't really care which, probably Ruedel gets the advantage because he's right-handed. The latter two are significantly better than Cody Cece. However, I already know, and you already know, and Penguin Nation already knows, that he's going to play Cece every day, and it's going to suck, and we are, everyone on Twitter is going to cry about it, including me. I don't know. I mean, I'm not opposed to doing it in the beginning of the season just to see if he happens to, like, click somewhere with somebody. But, yeah, ultimately it's going to be a – we're going to end up making it to, I guess, March with however the season is going to go. And it's just going to be, well, either – I mean, we could be completely wrong. He could work out really well with Ruido or something, and then it's, like, all probably involved in, you know, whatever. But uh, – We'll see what happens. And we got uh, another Penguin thing up here. Uh, just this past week, uh, GMJR said that he sees Kasperi Kapanen playing on the top line alongside of Sid and Gensel. Uh, I just thought that was pretty interesting because whenever Kapanen was playing in Toronto, he, from the most part, especially this past season, got third line minutes. He was playing with uh, Alex Kerfoot, and they switched the uh, wingers back and forth on the left side. So he's going to go from playing third-line minutes to first-line minutes alongside of the one of the greatest players ever and Jake Gensel. I'm not sure how that transition is going to work exactly, but I, uh, I wanted to know, like, like, how do you feel about Kapanen playing first-line minutes? I don't know. I don't hate it. I feel like kind of having a young guy up there is going to end up um... – helping out in the long run. I guess this is why we have training camp and stuff to just see how it's going to fit because then he can get used to playing, especially, I don't know, are we doing, are we having a preseason this year or no? I'm assuming that they're going to need to have like some kind of warm up games like they did before the bubble. Yeah. Uh, probably not super competitive, but because they're going to be so low on time, they're not going to want to do more than like three, maybe. Yeah. I just wonder if they're going to, um, like, not even necessarily playing with him in Sidnet, but more or less just keeping him out there for the time because they're probably not going to end up realistically playing Sid and Jake for all the games, but more or less just sticking him out there and seeing how he does playing the, I guess, extended minutes and then going out there, I guess, during the crucial situations. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, and I don't think it's too important either because uh, 
I mean, aside from the defense, I know on the offense I, that they're very flexible. They switch guys back and forth. Whenever they first traded for Phil, they said they're like, oh, yeah, he's going to do great. He's definitely going to go alongside either uh, Sid or Gino. And then within the first, like, two years, he ends up thriving alongside of uh, Nick Benino and Carl Hagelin. Like, who could have predicted that? So I don't think it's the biggest deal if it doesn't work out for him on the top line. But if it's not going to be him, you're going to have rust up there or there's, there's going to be more moves. Like, you know, that's GMJR's like jive is he loves making forward moves like early in the season. So something's going to happen there. One last penguin thing I wanted to get to, and I just put this up here. Have you seen the penguin third Jersey leaks? I have not. I'm looking at it. So would this be an OA Jersey or what? I'm, I assume it's, so basically, for those of you who can't see it, because this is an audio podcast, it is the old Pengu- Pittsburgh across diagonally across the front. But instead of it being a black jersey, it's a white jersey. And the NHL is doing this with a bunch of teams. It's called the reverse retro jerseys. And I guess that's their thing of trying to bring in revenue, maybe, because they're so low on money that no one's been going to the games or anything that they're going to do. And there's not going to be any outdoor games to sell jerseys for. So they come up, they're coming up with a new line of jerseys. The Flyers also, their jersey leaked as well. And are you looking at the Flyers one too, Troy? Yeah, I have them both on. Yeah, the difference uh, in the Flyers one is that where it's black, like around the upper arms and shoulders, that used to be white. So they flipped that just like how they flipped the Pittsburgh one from all black to all white. So they're kind of like reversing the retro, like the name it in, in, you know, says. I like it. A lot of people on Twitter were saying that they didn't like it and or they should just bring back the black one or that it was just a uh, cheap knockoff of the Rangers because they, the Rangers have had the diagonal for like almost a century now. I think that's a really nice jersey the way it looks. I've been calling for them to bring back the black diagonal for a while now. And this obviously isn't that, but I think it looks pretty sick. Yeah, I think it's cool. I almost wish that they would bring back the um... – Remember the other ones where they had the old, where it was like the gray and like the gold penguin logo where it had like the lines on it? I think that would definitely be like the best one. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this one isn't terrible. It's just weird seeing it with the, I guess, the current penguin logo and not having the old school penguin. Mm -hmm. That's definitely like the weirdest part of this. But I don't know. It's all right. It'll take some time to get used to, but. It seems like it seems like for the most part, most teams have third jerseys at this point. I think I would definitely snag one up. Uh, actually, this past week, you know the uh, Penguins alternate that they've been doing, the, like the all, all yellow one with the black. Yeah, the Stadium arms. Series jerseys. Yeah, but like they haven't, you know, they've been wearing it as their alternate. I yeah. was on the Penguins subreddit, and someone shared a link that Dick Sporting Goods had a sale on all of the Matt Murray yellow jerseys. They're usually and they're the authentic ones, like they have a fight strap on the back and everything. They're the like ones the players wear. Usually two hundred and fifty dollars. Got it for forty bucks. Did you buy one? Absolutely. It's hanging on my wall to the right of me right now. It's a, it obviously Murray's gone, and we're probably not going to wear those jerseys much anymore, especially with these ones coming out. But it's a sick jersey for forty bucks. That's insane. That's unheard of. I was very proud of that. I don't know if they have any left for those of you who are listening, but I got one earlier in the week and it looks beautiful. So I was gonna say, see if you can get um. 
See if you can find somewhere where they're selling like different numbers, because I don't think the main nameplate would be that hard. And see if you can turn it into like a different play or something. Jack I don't know Johnson. what else you could. No, no, but like, <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm fine with Murray. I I mean, his le- he still left a legacy in Pittsburgh. He won two cups, you know. True. I like honestly, I'm not sure we win those two cups without him in the play in those playoffs. He was on a tear both of those years. I just think the return for Murray to Pittsburgh is going to be really weird just because everyone knows how the one for Flurry was because yeah. he's won the couple cups here. And it's just like, or no. Yeah. Um, it's just going to be weird because he's set, I don't want to say had like an off season, but like it's kind of been on the downhill and he's definitely been like ridiculed more and more and more. So I feel like him coming back in a different jersey is going to be quite strange. I think there's a lot of people that are just the loud uh, minority where they just scream and like, they were like so upset with Murray. I think most Penguin fans in reality, like are aware of the impact that Murray had on this team and the franchise. You would hope so. I, I especially if, if his return even has fans here, uh, the few fans that are rich enough to be able to get tickets to like, like what the, what will the capacity be like a, a thousand or two? Uh, if, the, those fans, I'd like to think, would cheer and, you know, not boo Matt Murray after all he's One done with the hope, franchise. But what do you even want to go? So say this has nothing to do with anything. But say theoretically, if they were allowed to have two thousand fans, right? So they're only going to use the lower bowl the stadium. I don't even know that I would like want to go to that because that would almost be like watching some type of scrimmage because there's going to be no one there. And whenever, like, they score, it's going to be, like, super awkward with you standing by yourself and then, like, air high-fiving. But in all fairness, you normally do that just because of, you know. But um, it's just going to be really weird, like, sitting there cheering by yourself. But well, I don't if, know. I don't agree with the part that you said about it only be the lower bowl. If, if they have to socially distance and they're trying to make every dollar they can, they're going to have both lower and upper bowl. But they're going to have to do what what, like, some NFL stadiums are doing where, like, like you have two seats and then like the four in front of you, the two on either side and the four behind you are all like emptied off. So a, the prices are going to be out of this world. Someone was scalping tickets down on the North shore for the Steeler game. Not this past, not yesterday, but last week. And they're scalping them for a thousand dollars. So, you know, cause it's basic economics, the supply is lower and the demand's high price goes up. Yeah, but that didn't really work because I guess what were the Steelers limited to? What is it, five thousand? It was it was seven thousand five hundred, but the capacity is seventy thousand, so it's a tenth of the of the overall capacity. So if you think about it like that, if they're going off of that percentage, PPG Paints is going to be one thousand eight hundred people because its capacity is eighteen thousand. Is it total people though? What do you mean? Is it is it fans or total people out in the stadium? fans so that doesn't include like concessions and like security and like all those guys no okay because like at a a restaurant if the max occupancy is like 50 that or like 50 percent that doesn't include me if i'm working there you know true yeah but i was just wondering how that worked but but the nfl no no it wasn't the nfl it was the mlb they had the uh because in texas they were allowing fans for the uh the playoff game the playoff games the first bunch of rows on like, all the around the perimeter of the field were all they backed off them. because they didn't want 
fans within 20 feet of a player, which I think is pretty smart. But that even limits you even more because, I mean, there is plexiglass between fans and players in hockey, though. So I'm not sure what if you need yeah, that. I was going to say, I feel like they're definitely going to do it to where they're going to, like, basically um, probably not use the bottom, like, 10 rows. But I wouldn't be surprised for them to put, like – like, basically run the nets around the entire thing if there's, like, a hat trick so you can't, like, throw anything onto the ice or, like, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I could see that. It's literally going to look like the freaking Hunger Games, where it's just going to be, like, they're inside of the of literally, like, this dome, just, like, having it out, and then you're just going to be, like, sitting in your box. It's going to be weird, but honestly, like, I can't wait for it. On my Snapchat, I keep getting uh, – because the last – Last season, before everything hit the fan, I went I went to a bunch of Penguin games. Like I probably went to like eight or nine because of the student rush. And I keep every every couple of days I get on my uh, Snapchat memories one year ago today, and it's me at a Penguin game with somebody, either a friend or I went with my mom to a couple of them. And I just uh, you know it it freaking blows that uh, we can't do that anymore. And I cannot wait to be able to get back and do that. I think I, from the original question, though, is like, like you know, would you be comfortable doing that? I, I don't even know. What would you? I would go. I would never have enough money to go, but like. Yeah, it's true. I don't know that I would want to go. That's what I was saying. Like, I don't know. I feel like that'd be kind of weird. I think that, and this is like, I saw this because um, Dallas, the Cowboy Stadium is letting a bunch of people in because the, uh, the capacity is like 100,000. So they're letting like a really like large amount of people in and they're like, oh, but like they're so far apart from each other's seating. But like you walk around the concourse and like you go to the same concession stands and bathrooms as these people and where there's definitely, you can't be spaced out from people like when you're waiting, like for, if you're like, you're walking into the ticket thing or like, and you're trying to get your ticket thing, like uh, swiped, you're getting patted down or whatever. There's a lot of things where I feel like you're still not being like, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just being paranoid, but I, it'd be I uncomfortable. Know. I think it's whatever. Uh, but in all fairness, yeah, I was gonna say, but in all fairness, you could say the same crap about airports where it's like, you know what I mean? Where it's like, nobody's going there, but then like everyone's going through the same three TSA lines, you know what I mean? Standing on the exact same thing, getting touched by the same two people. You know what I mean? Everyone's using the same bins and stuff. So you can kind of make that argument where it's like, I don't know. There's flaws in the system everywhere from what it seems like. Yeah, but, like, I feel like you can rationalize air travel being essential more than you could. A sport. No, I know, but you, you know what I mean? So, what I mean, where you can, like, basically kind of funnel it down to. No, you're right. You're definitely right. Uh, moving off of that, uh, we I have a segue here. We talked about Matt Murray. That relates to Marc-Andre Fleury, and here we are so seamlessly. Marc-Andre Fleury has accepted his backup role in Vegas. And he said it with a little bit of a bitchy quote. He said, quote, Leonard is their goalie. What is he saying there? Hey, think he's kind of salty. He didn't get traded somewhere else, but he's kind of at the point of where he's getting paid. So I don't know that I would really care that much either, but I think he's definitely kind of salty considering he was the number one guy for so many years. And now he's basically doing, he's basically, it's basically the same thing with the Murray and Flurry thing. Where we set Murray exactly so the long. same thing. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And then I don't know. He's definitely kind of salty, but I wouldn't be surprised. I just don't feel like he's the type of guy to go walk up to um, management and be like, "I want out of here." I feel like he's just going to sit there and just kind of like 
twiddles thumbs around and call today. But it's really weird just hearing that from him because normally he doesn't say anything, and then you have his manager come out and um. Oh, his manager. I mean, his agent is like a little bitch. His agents. Alan yeah. Walsh, man, with the uh, the picture in the playoffs with the sword in his back. Yeah, it's. <laughs> uh, I don't know. He's definitely whipped up more drama than I think he has in his entire career. But you know, whatever. I just think the word his word choice is very interesting. Leonard is their goalie. Is Mark Andre not a part of the team anymore? He could have said Leonard is our goalie. It's not our. Yeah, he said their goalie. That's really, really, like, I don't think enough is being made about that. He, him and his agent, Alan Walsh, definitely want to get the hell out of he, there. He's definitely really, yeah, he's def, they definitely want to leave. But there's, like, so much salt on that that I think they could use it whenever they're boiling some of the pasta, which I think is a nice segue into our next topic. We, we should make that a thing. I like, uh, I like that instead. Uh, yeah, the Bruins will be without pasta, so they'll use zucchini noodles instead. <laughs> I hate you. Um, David Posternock and uh, Brad Marchand are both going to – you're really enjoying that one. <laughs> oh, I thought great. I stuck I, – I saw it. I was trying to come up with something else, but that's the only thing I could think of. You could have said rice noodles. You could have said anything, but you went with zucchini noodles. God, you're you're all you're all healthy down there in Florida now. I know. Anyways, um, yeah, so they're gonna be without their two top scorers starting the season. And in a season that's gonna be there's gonna be so little room for error because the, there's gonna be less games. Uh it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens with them. Semi-season, sure. But they also are also at the moment are without Chara because he hasn't re-signed. And their defense is looking pretty pitiful without Krug now, too, and Chara. Uh, so all they have right now is, like, McAvoy. Uh, they re-signed Grizzlick over the past week. They're, they look like a team that could really disappoint this upcoming season. I think the Atlantic division is going to be a lot more wide open if the Bruins aren't as, you know, dominant as they've been in, in the years past. I'm not sure who gets the upgrade or who benefits most from this. But you have to look at Buffalo and think they added Taylor Hall, and there's rumors that they could even add uh, Mike Hoffman. You know what? What if Buffalo makes the playoffs and Boston doesn't? Um, I don't know. It's weird. It's almost like, but yeah, I feel like this is definitely Boston's cool off year, and this is kind of helping them to their advantage with having a shortened season, just because I believe some of these guys are out longer term anyway. So, yeah, that and whenever – People look back at the season. It's always going to be like the 50-game season or whatever it was or whatever it's going to be. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It seems like the Bruins have been such a hot team for so long that they're almost due for this type of thing. I feel like it's kind of like baseball where you have the teams that are, like, blazing hot and then they, they kind of need their one year to, like, cool off and get their stuff back together. And, uh, even yeah, if this is the season that they do it, I guess fair enough because this is a shortened season anyway. So. I guess in the bigger scheme of things, they're still going to be the, you know, big, bad Bruins. Yeah, and the Bruins, you know, they get a lot of uh, primetime games, but that might switch over to Buffalo. And you know who won't be commentating those games if they switch over to Buffalo? That's Doc Emmerich. But this is very sad, and you're you're saying this is way too much enthusiasm. <laughs> Doc Emmerich. Mike Emmerich has retired from 
broadcasting with NBC Sports, like uh, like the expose that Troy has laid out here on our document so eloquently, a little bio. He, I love how you're doing this. Hey, I do the everything else and you can read it. Go, you can go to hell. Doc Emmerich began broadcasting in 1973, so that's 47 years of broadcasting. Uh, I don't care about the amount of games. That's a stupid thing to put in there, Troy. But he did 22 Stanley Cup finals. 3,750 games that he announced is, is something stupid to go over. In six Olympic oh. games. And his first chance, to, first chance to cover an NHL game was at the old Civic Arena down there in downtown Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So you can tell we're really upset about Doc retiring but before the show whenever we were talking you said you have the perfect idea for a replacement yes joe buck and pierre mcguire the deadly duo because that's literally what's going to happen to people if they have to listen to this crap for like an entire <laughs> season they're gonna start dropping like flies <laughs> oh my god i hate you <laughs> i would almost rather have to listen to jr and um mike mulberry except I don't know. That ship has sailed. According to, uh, I think it was Twitter. I, I, I forget who exactly tweeted it, but somebody tweeted. Kenny Albert, who did the West Coast for the West Coast bubble for NBCSN, is the front runner to be uh, their number one guy. But uh, a lot of people have also mentioned John Forsland, who was the uh, Carolina play-by-play guy for a while. So some there's someone's going to need to fill in that void because Doc was the guy. He was the voice of hockey, in Mike Wang, and but yeah, but in like across the country in the United States, nationally televised games, you knew it was an important game when Doc commentated it. Whenever he was doing the uh, play-by-play, so it's on. It's a big loss for hockey, uh, for NBCSN, and for just like you know hockey fans all over America, but. Uh, Noted pirate fan Doc Emmerich couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> he was like, "If I have to get behind a microphone one more time and I have to hold my teeth about the pirates, I swear to God." <laughs> well, you know what did it in? He saw the the Gregory Polanco gender reveal, and he said, "Fuck this." <laughs> that's all right. Moving I'm on. Surprised that, Go ahead. I don't know. I was gonna say the funny thing is, is um. Whenever they did the Polanco thing, that's probably the best hit he had all season. But um, speaking yeah, other of, than that, speaking of left-handed outfielders, Co- Cody Bellinger. <laughs> what a what kind of terrible! I guess this is the kind of crap they teach you at CCAC. But uh, you, uh, can, you can go all the way to hell. <laughs> I hope you crash that. into the Atlantic. <laughs> Cody Bellinger uh, hit a solo shot. To put the Dodgers over the Braves, it was a 4-3 game. It was in the seventh inning. And the Braves were up 3-1 to one at one point. Other than being from Atlanta, what went wrong for the Braves? I don't know. See, this is one of those weirds here. I feel like, like absolutely nobody that's outside of California wants to see the Dodgers play. And especially the Astros. If this was left in, the Astros ended up winning. Oh, I don't. It's just going to be like it. It was just going to be torture. But I don't know. It's really weird because I, I kind of, I wanted to see Braves and Rays just for something different. But 
I don't know. I guess classic baseball people are going to be more, I guess, in tune with this, but I don't know. It's just, it's weird. It's baseball. The Dodgers pulled the typical Dodgers. It's the same thing we've seen for the past how many years? I mean, I really thought that this would be the year, though, that uh, we'd get a change of scenery, you know? I mean, That's we- what I mean. I don't think anyone wants to – really, no one in the younger gen- generation has any interest in seeing the um, – I, I, not even the younger generation for the Astros, just because no one likes them. But, like, the Dodgers, the Yankees, like, those kinds of teams – I don't know. Like, there's gigantic market teams. I don't think anyone want, anyone everyone's kind of sick of it at this point because I know I kind of am. So it would would be kind of nice, but we already have Tampa in there, and they're a smaller market team. So I guess that's kind of nice. But I feel like kind of having these medium smaller market teams definitely would bring some more um, sunlight to the baseball scheme. But it's whatever. Something interesting that I thought about last night was is that no matter who wins this World Series, the city has already won a championship within the last month. The, the Dodgers, if the Dodgers win, the Lakers won a week ago. If the Rays win, the Lightning won like a month ago. So interesting. they're basically playing for the City of Champions title, which, you know, apparently has been Pittsburgh since 2009. <laughs> but definitely not because uh, we haven't had a chance. Other than the Penguins winning back-to-back, we haven't had much other success in the other sports in the past decade. So, but so congrats to the Dodgers. <laughs> past decade. We're at like half a century with one of the teams. <laughs> well, yeah, with one of the teams. I'm you know, talking about Pirates Steelers <laughs> combined, but that's a good... Uh, I was going to say, we, I was gonna say, we basically have people that live half their lifetime without seeing the Pirates do anything. I saw some crazy stat where it said that... Um, the entire Rays roster is making the same amount of money as I think it was uh, Mookie Betts and who else? It was like two players on the. Oh yeah, it was two line. players and it was a joke. But I it, mean, that's it, also it might have been Kershaw, maybe. Probably. Kershaw and Betts, but I mean, if that doesn't make you want to root for the Tampa Bay Rays, I don't know what will. But a guy that came out of absolutely nowhere for the Rays uh, named Randy. Let's see if I can get his last name. There you go. <laughs> I can't pronounce it. A Rosarena. I think that sounds right. Uh, he was named the ALCS MVP after hitting four home runs in the series. Uh, before this, I think he didn't have four four home runs like in his entire career. So this guy's just gone off. Everyone's comparing him to uh, you know Mike Trout, but uh, definitely not Mike Trout. Uh, but he's putting on quite a performance in these playoffs. So we have a matchup. It's L.A., it's Tampa. Who's winning it? Oh, man. I really want to see Tampa win it in, like, just in general because I really don't want to see the Dodgers win this. But I just have some terrible gut feeling where the Dodgers are going to somehow winning this in six. Six is your number, um, man. So you I said know, about the lightning for, too, and you were right. For what, for what I think is realistically, I think the Dodgers win in six. I'm really hoping that Tampa wins in six or seven. That's really what I want to see. But in all of reality, I think the Dodgers are going to win this thing in six. Um. Yeah. Who's That's the MVP? Right. Oh, I don't even know. Is Bellinger going to hit another 
clinching home run? Uh, I don't know who I want to go with. Go with Clayton Kershaw. I'm kidding. <laughs> Wouldn't that I be guess hilarious? I, go with, I don't know. I don't see. Do I go with Bellinger? I guess. Mookie Betts made some crazy catches in the uh, in the series against the Braves. He was insane defensively. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have an MVP guy. I don't. I don't know. I have no idea. Because ultimately, that ends up really coming. That ends up coming down to whoever like plays good in the entire series. So. Yeah, and you're supposed to guess who's going to play good. Yeah, I have, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't. I don't care because I don't want to see the Dodgers win. But I have some terrible gut feeling it's going to happen. All right. Well, I have a great gut feeling that the Tampa Bay Devil Rays are going to be world champions. It's going to go to five games. That's right. Dodgers win one. And you know who's going to be the MVP? Do you know who's going to be rounding the bases after his walk-off home run? Arozarena. Arozarena. Oh, Randy Arozarena is going to keep the fire going. He's going to win World Series MVP. Do you remember the year when, I think it was the first of the three Giants victories, when Edgar Renteria won, I think it was NLCS MVP and World Series MVP? That's impressive. Oh, yeah. I think that this is what's happening here. And Renteria had a good career before that. But, like, no one expected him to go off like this. No one's expected this young guy, Randy Arozarena, to just go off the way he has. I'm saying it's going to be him as MVP. Rays are going to win. They're going to overwhelm the Dodgers with their pitching. Their bullpen and starting pitchers are filthy. The stuff that they have is disgusting from – Former pirate Charlie Morton to former pirate Tyler Glasnow. In the outfield, you got former pirate Austin Meadows. If you live in Pittsburgh, how can you not root for the Tampa Bay Rays to absolutely dog the Dodgers? If you're anywhere outside of, of um, California, I don't know how you could possibly not root for Tampa Bay. But I don't know. Uh, game one is tomorrow, October 20th. It is in 809 start Eastern time. The pitching matchup is going to be Glasnow versus uh, Kershaw. And I believe that is going to be on um, Fox, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's, it's a World Series. Yeah, it is. It's, it's going to be on it, Fox. It better be on Fox. So that's it. That's Joe, it. Bucks, Joe Bucks. Um, we get good old Joe Buck tomorrow. America's favorite. Oh, so, uh, yeah, he's preparing for the Stanley Cup Finals for next year. I know. That's what I figured. Yeah, he's just clearing his definitely. throat. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, no good segue for this. Uh, no, he definitely commentated Steelers games before. There we go. That's the segue. The Pittsburgh Steelers are now 5-0. and oh, For their first – the first time since 1976, I think it was, I saw somewhere. They're 5-0. and oh. They're first place in the division, obviously. And everyone going into this game was talking about how all their wins have been against disappointing teams. And they've been close wins for the most part. They were 4-0 and they had a breeze throughout it all. And then this, this game against the Browns was supposed to be their first competitive game. And they beat the shit out of them. They beat the Browns out of the Browns. They destroyed them. Uh, I think it was like 38-7 or something crazy like that. I don't even remember. I, I was working whenever the game ended. But it was an insane blowout. 
they they took out Baker Mayfield and they put in Case Keenum. So they like I said, beating the shit out of the Browns. They got rid of the shit. That's- RPG family rating is now gone because you have just absolutely gone ballistic this entire show, and I don't really know why. I'm having a good time, not a long time. Um, and but bad news did come out of the game. Their uh, inside linebacker Devin Bush is out for the season. He tore his ACL. He got season-ending injury, uh, season season-ending surgery. So he's done, but they're looking for a replacement through uh, free agency or trade. Until then, Vince Williams and uh, I forget who else. There's another uh, inside linebacker we have uh, that are gonna they're gonna man the fort until then. And this Sunday we have the Titans game, which was the game that got pushed back because of COVID, because the Titans didn't know what the hell they were doing with COVID. And off of that. The Titans, it was announced, the NFL announced that they're going to face a fine as a result of their irresponsibility-ness, I don't know, something like that, with COVID. So obviously they found some kind of wrongdoing by the Titans organization, but not enough to take away draft picks or like uh, forfeit any games. They just ended up finding them, and that's that. Uh, so the Steelers are definitely going to enter that game with fire. And... The Titans, though, are another undefeated team left, so it's going to be quite the battle there uh, in Tennessee next week. Former Steeler Le'Veon Bell was cut by the Jets this past week after trying to trade him. He signed a big deal with them a few years ago after holding out with the Steelers, and just a year and a half into the deal, he gets cut and immediately signs with the Golden State – oh, sorry, no, the Kansas City Chiefs who are assembling a Golden State Warriors-type super team, kind of like the, how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are. Uh, definitely do not need him. Not at all. They have great running backs and great offensive weapons, but they're just assembling inf- infinity stones like Thanos at this point. So, uh, you know, if the Steelers aren't going to be the AFC representative representatives in the Super Bowl, it's going to be Kansas City. Odds are it's Kansas City, but that is what that is. And we didn't talk about it last episode because uh, you hate basketball, and it was all it was all hockey that last episode. But the Lakers did win the NBA Finals. Uh, they tie the Celtics for the most championships, and LeBron was the MVP. That's that. So now that you, uh, you now that we're done with that, you can finally talk about your favorite sport, NASCAR. <laughs> no, I, I don't know why. I just find all the oddball sports. Yeah, okay. Um, no, uh, I, we already went over this. Kyle Larson, uh, we all know the guy from the, uh, what was it, like some, on whenever NASCAR did their weird, like, online racing thing, and he uh-huh. got caught with a hot mic saying some um, not great things by any stretch of the term it was racist it was pretty it was pretty pretty damn yeah um that is yeah he is eligible to return january 1st of 2021 um yeah i don't know this just i i don't know whatever i guess yeah he you know gets I mean, thank God. I mean, we, we really needed him back in, in the sports world. What would oh, we do yes. without Kyle we, what, we care so much. How could, yes. Like, how, yeah, I don't understand. I just lost so much sleep. That and the fact that they threatened to make right turns next year. Oh, man, I almost 
would have had to have tilted my head to the other direction for four and a half hours watching them drive in circles. Oh, the whore. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, yep. My next one. Our uh, next topic's golf, where um, Jason Krokak wins his first PGA Tour, I believe it was his hometown, and he won it by hitting a little white ball at a hole less times than anybody else. He's making a lot of money because of it, and um, yeah, it's his first PGA Tour win. I, I have a question. What? You you golf in Florida now. Yes. You used to golf in Pennsylvania, but now you golf in Florida. Do you still play? No, 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 no. I try to golf. There's a big difference. Now, do, do you play to the hole, or do you play to club's length? Hole? Why would I play club's length? Well, Always got to practice getting in the hole. Everyone is that. Okay, and you're going to talk about how I'm the reason we don't have the PG rating. Okay, whatever. Anyways. Um, so normally when I play, I play to club's length because my short game's terrible and Dylan's is as well, but we played with your brother at Scally's and he insisted we play to the hole. Uh, I have a terrible game. I, you know, I don't like Scally's. It's a terrible course. I don't get the drive at all. It's just it's a great course. You should just use a pitching wedge for the entire, it, it's a pitching putt. No, no, no. It's a par three. The pitching putt is next to it. Thank you. No, the pitching putt is a is a smack the putt really. You could throw it. Remember whenever we first did the pitching putt and we it's got the definition of a pitching putt. Yeah, we did terrible at the pitching putt the first time we did it. Yeah, because it's like the holes are like 40, 50 yards. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Anyways, but the my story I was getting to, uh, the tor- horrible all game. We get to the ninth hole. I'm with my pitching wedge. It's about 120 yards, I think. Smack no, it down. that's like the 100-yard hole. I don't know why I use the pitching wedge. I would use like a sand wedge or something. No, I don't. You don't I, have one? I have one. I don't use it. I, I used it once oh. in actual sand, and I hated it. I, I pitch it down. I, it gets onto – it's like it curves, and it bounces onto the green, and it starts rolling, and it keeps on rolling, and it ends up a club's length away from the hole. So if we'd started playing club's length, that's a hole in one. Yeah, but arguably club's length is club's length is cheating because in all fairness, you're cutting yourself short of one um, stroke. That's not how we play. I'm not I'm talking about how we've played every other time though. I haven't played club's length. I haven't played club's length with anyone else besides you. Like pretty much, literally, I think everyone else. It's just standard golf to the hole. Okay, well, then maybe I'm just slow then. I don't really care. Anyways, that would have been a hole-in-one. But it wasn't because we weren't playing club's length. And then what did it turned into a six. It turned into like a five or a six. Just, <laughs> oh. no, I, I started messing. I literally started just messing around because I was already last place. I knew I was last place. So I just like started like hitting it around. And I was like, I missed like two that I was trying for. And then I was like, you know what? F this. I'm just going like, to mess around. But, yeah, no, if you play that place long enough, you'll eventually figure out the trick. Because there's, I think it's five. You're actually, since the green's tilted, well, I figured this one out, I guess, just since I played it enough, is it's actually way better to hit it onto the side of the hill and let it roll onto the green than, it is, for you to, yeah, than it is for you to hit the green because it will just roll right off of it and if there's not a ton of backspin on it. It's also the same thing with, I believe it's eight. Where it's actually it's it's a lot easier to um 
if you know you can't put it on the green, stick it on the front of it because then it's just a chip up to it. Because if you hit it past it, you're now stuck on like a really awkward hill. There's a couple holes there like that where it's, you're actually better off aiming a little bit, I guess, to the side of the green if you know you can't stick it because it will roll back on I, probably 95% of the time. Here's my beef with Scallies, though, is that my best asset when golfing it, now it never used to be, but now it's my driving. My driving. I am a great. Yeah, that's not. It's a part. Yeah, but it's a part three. No, there's not going to be any. Dude, you know Mount, I mean? Mount Lebanon's a par three, and I get to blast it. I get to absolutely send it on like all, all but like one of the holes. So how long are the holes for this par three? Oh, dude, they're they're like there's like a there's like at least like four or five three hundred yards. Part three. It's a part three. Yeah, it is. How on earth? Dude, that has to be like a part four. I'm I'm 99% sure Mount Lebanon's a part three. This isn't – we're totally – That's up. insane. That we're doesn't – there's no way. How is it 300 yards and a part three? This is definitely way off track, but let me find it. It's a year-round golf course too, by the way. So whenever you come back for winter, we can play. In the snow. Yeah, but in the fucking snow. Um, okay, well now I can't find it. Okay, I, I can't find anything that says what kind of, oh here it is. It's a 35 par. And it's how not many, how 30, many holes. That's not a par three. 35 divided by nine. Oh yeah, it's okay. It's closer yeah, to I was a four. Yeah, I was going to say, those have to be par fours. They're not long enough for par five, so those have to be like a par four. Yeah, yeah, okay. So most of them are par fours. There's one par five and then two par threes. Okay. I was. Yeah, wondering. that's like your standard. That's In, a, I don't think South Park's that much different. Okay, nonetheless, I prefer actual golf to freaking the bullshit at Scallies. I'm going to cancel Scallies. You know, this is my official uh, I guess. statement. I'm canceling. It's nice, Scallies. though. Like, they keep up with the place. Their greens are very nice. It's nice because it's close to you guys. It's <laughs> it is. It is five minutes. It is very cheap, and it actually is probably one of the. It is definitely on the top like three nicest par threes I've ever played. Well, Mount Lebanon's great for me because it's a five-minute drive, and uh, it's not cheap. It's kind of expensive, <laughs> but it's oh, actually. Yeah, I heard it's it, like up there. It's not that bad. It's with a cart because you can't share a cart. You have to get your own cart because that's their little COVID thing. Uh, for nine holes in the cart. It's Why do you like, need a cart for nine holes? It, it'd be How a walk. How far can it be? It, it would be a walk because you, you like zigzag like back and forth through. It, it would have been, it'd be quite a walk and me and Dylan are lazy. So but it's like 23 bucks. Oh, I, not, I don't know. I would almost want to walk because I feel like if you got a cart, you're going to be done in an hour and a half, two I mean, hours. Yeah. I mean, you're going to be that, that like done that quick anyways, probably. Anyways, besides the point, whenever you come back, uh, you know, actually make time for me this time and maybe uh, take the ride out to Mount Lebanon and I could show you the ropes and I can beat you. Oh, yes. Home turf. That's Perfect. Right. Um, the last thing for the day is this happened actually two weeks ago, but we didn't get to cover it last episode. Joaquin Buckley, uh, this is in the UFC, did a reverse Mortal, style, mortal Kombat style uh, kick on, uh, I forget who it was on. But he knocked a guy out with a reverse kick, and it literally looked like it was straight out of Mortal Kombat. Like he yelled Hadouken, 
it was the funniest thing. It's it's one of the most impressive knockouts I've ever seen in my life. I'm not that up on uh, UFC, but it it like it made it mainstream. Like everyone was looking at this video. It was hilarious, except for the guy you know, who got knocked out. Probably not very hilarious for him. Yes. But uh, you know that's what he gets for uh, asking for CTE. You know. Yep, man kicks other man, makes crap ton of money. You know, perfect. I feel like you could describe any sport in like five in like. Five oh, hours. I can. I think golf's the best one. I think that one. That one was creative. I I prefer your NASCAR one, to be honest with you. Uh, we'll continue making left turns. Yeah, I thought that was kind of nice. Yeah, so I think that's everything for this episode. Do you have any other lasting thoughts? Um, not really. I don't know. I think we pretty much have knocked everything out that we want to. All right. Well, I did the intro. Troy, take us out. All right. Um, thanks for listening to this episode of, I guess, what was supposed to be a fill-in for everything that wasn't the NHL, but turned into um, whatever, I guess. Hopefully this thing will get put up before – hopefully this thing will go up Tuesday, uh, October 20th. But, um, yeah, I guess expect to hear from us. What, what are we thinking? After, yeah, definitely before the World Series is over. Yeah, it'll, it'll honestly, it'll probably be next Monday again. You think? Yeah, but we'll see. Maybe, maybe Sunday. I don't think I have anything going on Sunday. We'll, we'll talk. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll see. We'll figure out. All right. Um, yeah, we'll try to whip up something else in the next week. Um, you know, thanks for listening. Um, yada, yada, yada. Follow Lucas Wester with a shameless blog for his personal Twitter. Um, you know, whatever else. Just, you know, shameless blog. Um, whatever. Follow at, P- at PGH Spotter on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Good old Dylan. <laughs> Dylan shout out to Train Man Rossman. I don't even think he's listening to this at all. This is taking way too long. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. We'll see you. We'll see you guys.